Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the 757 Renaissance Man Podcast. Today, we're going to take a journey. Um, I, this this lady that we're about to speak to is about to set it off. She is a super entrepreneur. We're going to be speaking with Dr. Stevie Aisha Mills. How are you doing today, ma'am? I'm good. How are you? I am awesome. I had to get my my bagel. I had to get my coffee, <laughs> a little extra sugar, because I know what kind of energy I'm about to be up with this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm super excited. I'm super excited. Thank you. So before we get into what we're going to get into, I always love talking to my fellow HBCU Yes, so tell everybody which HBCU you went to. I'm gonna keep it light today. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna even put that much sugar on it, right? Because you got the sugar in your coffee cup. But I'm gonna say <laughs> like this: I graduated from North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University, also known as NCANT, where the Aggie pride reigns supreme. And it's so nice I graduated twice. I have two degrees for a <laughs> So thank you. So everybody knows, who knows me knows, <laughs> I represent Norfolk State University. Behold the green and gold. You know I've been waiting for you to come up here so I can do this, right? Wish we see you love. As long as y'all not playing a and I'm rocking with you. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Really. <laughs> Ooh, it's hard to get too hot in here. <laughs> so how do you think that your experience at HBCU shapes you into the woman you are today? Wow, that's a powerful question, and I love it. I loved my experience at AMT. It was the only school I ever applied to, and so I'm grateful that they accepted me. I'm grateful that I got um, the opportunity to learn inside and outside the classroom. I'm grateful for the connections that I still have there. I'm grateful that in this amazing day and age, as we are emerging from the pandemic, we have Jiho. Or homecoming. I'm from the homecoming <laughs> But either way, you slice it. We have that this year. So I'm grateful for that as well. But I loved everything about AMT. It definitely allowed me to have the courage to continue on. You know, we have we talk about Aggies do. And I've done a lot in my career and in my life. And I know that's because my foundation was AMT. So to all the people, all my viewers and listeners out there that went to PWIs, and don't understand the homecoming experience of HBCU. We've been trapped in the house for a year. 
every HBCU homecoming is about to be off the chain. Off the chain. And I, so I'm, I'm blessed that I live in an area where I'm surrounded by HBCUs. I have, I have Hampton University, Norfolk State University. We got Elizabeth City. Um, we have Virginia State, not too far. That's about 45 minutes. So we're surrounded by them. So I know the whole the whole first semester is about to be off the chain right here. Yeah, and if you come on up down the road a bit, you can come to Aggie Land. We'll welcome you. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and did I miss did I mention Elizabeth City? I think I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's about to be off the chain. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I can't wait for the Battle of the Bay. I can't wait for um the Labor Day Classic is when we, North State normally plays Virginia State. I don't care who wins. I just want to be in the place. I just want to be in that environment. I want to see my people again. I'm excited. There's nothing like it, right? It's nothing like the culture, really. And I, I liken um, HBCUs like cousins, right? Mm-hmm. We can talk about each other, but you can't talk about us. Right. We're gonna all we're gonna jump you. Stand proud for every HBCU. Me and you might argue about <laughs> Norfolk State and AT, but let somebody else jump in that conversation. It's gonna be a whole problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. right, I'm gonna tell you a little funny story. Some kind of way over the pandemic, my 10-year-old son applied to Virginia State University. <laughs> and I didn't know, and I was getting letters in the mail like <laughs> It's time to register. And, and because it was the pandemic, he might could have got in, but I, I pulled the brakes on it. But he might could have got in because it was during the pandemic. They were saying, well, no registration fees. You didn't have to take your SATs. No, I almost let him slide in there. But see the way my bank account was set up. The checking and saving. Right. We still saving. We still saving. They ain't saying nothing about no scholarship. Now, if they went for the scholarship, it would have been on. He would have been gone from here. <laughs> like, y'all let him in. Hey, he a genius. <laughs> Just that he had, I don't understand. I don't know. And of all schools, Virginia State. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. So I come from a household that I'm the black sheep. My mom went to Hampton University. My dad went to Hampton University. My little sister went to Hampton University. And I went to Norfolk State. The rival. <laughs> and what made you make that decision now? The band. Oh, we're we gonna... every time you do that, so I'm just... <laughs> we're gonna do this all day. <laughs> now, the band. I um I grew up on well, my uncle and aunt also were tenure professors at Hampton University. So okay. as a little boy, I spent a lot of time. And in my universe there were only HBCUs. I didn't find out or I knew yeah. about, but I really didn't recognize PWIs until I got to junior high and high school. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, that's all it was. You know, Southern, Grambling, Hampton, North Carolina A&T, you know, that's Don't what I knew. Don't hit that beat one more time. Don't okay, hit that beat one more time. Well, behold, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out to get up this time. Hey, 
It's nothing like it. Nothing. All right, a little, and, and a little, little, little fact. A little fact. Norfolk Go State ahead. University was the first band to play that song. <laughs> so were you in the band? Of course. That's the only reason I went to college. <laughs> if it weren't and for... what did you play? Tuba. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's the only reason I went to school. Like some people went to college because of football. I went to college to be in a marching band. So and then so I have to thank, you know, HBCUs because they put that scene in me as a kid. And that was my motivation in junior high and high school to get to college. I really didn't care what I did to college just as long as I was in a band. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that was my that's main motivation. Awesome. And it worked and I got there. <laughs> <laughs> and so what did your family say? What was they, since they were all Hampton night? Um, my mom had a little bit of, <laughs> uh, let me see. <laughs> so, I mean, we were so Hampton university that president Harvey's kids used to babysit us as when we were young. <laughs> That's how Hampton university we were. And, and then you made that decision. Yeah. So she was, it was a up and it was a two way street for her. She was like, mm, he went to Norfolk state, but at least he going to college. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and had scholarship money. <laughs> Thanks to the band. <laughs> and Hampton won't, Hampton won't give up no money. So that's what I'm just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. My mama wanted me to go to Bennett. And I was like, yeah. I'm going to be across the street at AT. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going. And you know, Greensboro at that time, I was um, in high school. Thank God, because in-state tuition. Mm -hmm. Thank God I was in Greensboro at the time, but we have lots of colleges in Greensboro. It's not like just one college. We yeah. have a whole lot in the city. And I said, no, I'm going to stay right over here on East Market Street. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. Before um, college, what was your high school experience like? And was it a stark difference between your high school and your HBCU experience. Absolutely. So in high school, high school, high school, I moved in the middle of my high school. I would say I boomerang between Virginia and North Carolina. That's okay. all. I was born here in North Carolina, grew up in Roanoke, just a little bit down the road from you. Right. Went back to Greensboro in the middle of high school <laughs> and then stayed there about to about four years ago and then went back to Roanoke and came back to Greensboro recently. So I've always been between the two states. But in high school, moving in the middle of my high school, for one, that was that was different because mm -hmm. by the time I got to Greensboro, what I studied in ninth grade, they were just staying in the middle of their 10th grade year. So for me, it was very different in the fact of Okay, I already did this. So now y'all making me bored. Right, <laughs> That's right. the first thing. Then um it, but it was great. It was a great setup for me to have in state tuition. And I, it was a stark difference because I grew up, Roanoke, if you know anything about it, it's predominantly white city. Mm -hmm. So me being the only black girl in many classes growing up and going to uh, HBCU where I'm one of many <laughs> was, it was a difference. It was, but it was a difference for the best. I always 
talk about like on different world freddie mm-hmm. i feel like i had a lot of those characteristics like you're like we all have black experience yes but this is a different type of black person it's all so and i accredit different world a lot and i still watch it today about just how you saw the cultural experience you saw and watching it as an adult is real different because now I know I've gone through the experience right, yeah. so now I can relate to it on a different level so but- I already had to see when I was younger but a different world was the icing on the cake yeah right I, I had to go find Whitney Whitley that's what I was <laughs> gonna go find Whitney <laughs> yes yes and it's like being in a space where you see so many black people with that are brilliant and from all over different parts of the state and world and country it's like wow it literally is like wow Mm -hmm. you i learned a lot that didn't i didn't know existed like i never before met people from all across Roanoke is a small town. <laughs> That's why I'm new. But my older cousin, who's like my brother, he went to AMT. So I had a little bit of knowledge about the campus. But being there as a student <laughs> was different than just being on campus as high schooler. So yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I think it's a great thing. And I think more of us need to have that experience because not only does it prepare you for the world, it teaches you about yourself and about your culture through others. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think a lot of times people don't understand, like they'll say it gives a bad rap or a false reality to the world, but honestly, it gave me a better reality to the world. Mm -hmm. It gave me a better perspective because I did come from a completely different reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's it. And so I do believe in the in the state of all HBCUs. I do believe in the fact that it's love. You're not going to experience that kind of love many places. <laughs> and a lot of them professors will give you that tough love too. Yeah, because <laughs> they know you. I remember, um, I re- and they know you. So back in the day when I was young and wild, <laughs> sneaking into dorms. I remember being caught by a security guard and I was like, oh my God, I'm getting caught in this dorm, about to get thrown out of school. I'm in this boys dorm. And it was, it was literally the fact that they're like, I know you, you better keep going to class. That type of thing. Whereas somewhere else who didn't know me, it would have been a different thing. So there it was like your parent away from home. I can't tell you my sneaking in dorm story. <laughs> Because I don't think the statue of liberate what is it? Statue <laughs> limitations is done up yet, so we we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> but it, it involves Cisco Mad Dog twenty twenty and pulling the fire alarm. <laughs> oh Lord, yes. Yeah, I was just making a little. Um, <laughs> I have that kind of story. I have to hear this story out one day for real. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, and, and you know, I also think that it's important because we get to see your like my my uncle was a pate- a, a per- well, I can't talk. I ain't, hold on, coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. My uncle was a professor of architecture, and you know, if you go with what you know society tells you, we don't have black architects. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have black scientists, but when you go to an HBCU, all those myths are blown away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. My uh, even you know, there's a big rivalry between A and T and North Carolina Central. It just it is what it is. Right. But my aunt was the dean of the law school at North Carolina Central before she passed away, and so just being able to see that, I'm seeing how many or how few black lawyers come through HBCUs and the whole thing, and to know that there's a room named after her on campus, like that is legacy to me, and. You're right. You don't really think about that in the in the aspect of that. And I know some parents who tell their kids don't go to an HBCU. And I'm like, that's probably one of the things that gets under my skin the most. I'm like, why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah. And so my kid, well, my daughter, she's 14. So she's, you know, I'm trying to prep her to get ready to go to college. So I give her the same thing that my mama gave me is you going to college. I don't care what you what you study. I don't care what your major is, but you going to college. I also believe college isn't for everybody, but I've also believed that you should at least try it. I think everybody needs that experience. And um, I don't know, maybe because I'm jaded because I went to an HBCU, but you got to get out your mama's house. <laughs> and I think those are the first steps of learning who you are as a person and dealing with other people. Uh-huh. With that said, my daughter wants to go to Hampton. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. She's she's in the legacy. She's in the love. She's in the trio <laughs> program at Hampton now. But I'm real proud of her, especially coming out of school with the uh, whole pandemic and everything. Um, her grades went up. She was already uh-huh. an honor roll student. Her grades went up. And she is in uh, a program at going to this is our first year of high school and the program she's in shout out to Hampton City School System because they got a dope program where you can choose what school you want to depending on what you're interested in and the program she's in is called the ACE program so when she graduates from high school she's also going to have an associate's degree mm-hmm. for free that's awesome which that's awesome. half of my job taking care of right there <laughs> That is awesome. So I'm yeah. real proud of her. And I think if you know if she keeps on, um, she she can do that. I'm also concerned though, because of this last year of being at home, or year and a half of being at home, I'm concerned about, you know, social um things with the kids. Because I think that's why she excelled, because she didn't have those distractions of who's looking at who and who got what shoes on and uh, she was able to study and buckle down and, you know, concentrate on a little bit more, even though oh, look, these little kids, <laughs> I, I could, I can't imagine being my age and going through the pandemic. And these little kids were networking geniuses. They have the zoom with their class on. <laughs> then they got a group FaceTime going over here. And then she has her iPad with Google on it. And I I can't hate. They grew up with that though. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? Like they grew up that's that's who they are. So, you know, like But then um, you got whole grown people tripping out over the pandemic about how can I get in the Zoom for work? <laughs> yeah, they got a whole little conglomerate going on. <laughs> they are tech babies. You know, when we I guess we, I don't know how old you are, I know how old I am, but when I was in the whole thing of, um, like, AOL coming out, that yeah. was a huge thing. Yeah. AOL, you got mail, or Y2K, we thought the computer, when it was going to blow up, 
that's what people thought. So yeah, they grew up with Facebook and social media and Zoom and all these tools. So, and their mind works differently because of that. So I get it. I get it. And I heard a, um, <laughs> a term yesterday. Somebody described themselves as a millennial geriatric. <laughs> <I was> that <laughs> because it's a lot of people in that age group who don't know. They're like, I, I'm old. I don't know. <laughs> but the, the younger kids, they do know because they haven't, I don't think they've experienced life without technology. But I want to be a social fly on the wall when they go back. <laughs> And see, is it going to be like a shock to actually have to be, you know, talk to somebody face to face? And, you know, it's different when you got to deal with personality. And yeah, I I think it's going to be very, very interesting. And and combine it with it's our first year of high school. I think I'm going to be in for it. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be in for it anyway, just because. You have a daughter who's smart and I'm sure beautiful and she's going to high school. You know, things change. Yeah, I'm not her favorite man anymore. <laughs> things change. I remember my daddy, he has I have a he has me and I have he has another daughter and two stepdaughters. So I definitely understand um what that is to have a dad who has a girl dad. Like it's, <laughs> it's a different experience. Yeah, I, I, I used to be her favorite, but <laughs> oh <Yeah. laughs> you gotta prepare. you gotta share you gotta share <laughs> <laughs> yes for the sound effects i love it you got i mean yeah. yeah yeah so what is your doctorate in so i have an honorary doctorate in leadership okay so last year i was it's funny i have if I search my Facebook, I have posts that said, I'm not going back to school. The Lord's going to have to bless me with an honorary doctorate. And that's literally what happened last year. So I have an honorary doctorate in leadership. He hey. Speaking and he will give it to you. Amen. Amen. I, I was, <laughs> so that's how that came about. So, but if I didn't go that route, I would have gone to where North Carolina AMT get my third degree. All right. All right. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so you are for lack of a better word a book writing fool <laughs> you up to yeah. 25 now i got 25 here 24 look, look at her off a pen one time for the book All right, let's talk about them books. (laughs) (laughs) These just came out this year, actually. Um, They just came out. So I never wanted to be a writer. I never wanted to be in business. (laughs) That's what a lot of people don't understand. I just kind of fell into business. But this one, last year, I was blessed to make six figures online (laughs) in the pandemic. And so this one is Click the Cash and literally has my strategies about how I did that. And so... That is what, and this one's called the ultimate hustler. It's kind of redefining what hustle means because a lot of people live in the hustle mentality when you don't have to be the ultimate hustler, which is the real flex. You don't have to hustle all the time just to get stuff done. Yes, yes. So I have another doctor that I'm going to introduce you to. Her name is Dr. Rhonda Alexander. And I think you two, especially with the whole, y'all got similar books with the hustle book. 
Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm gonna link y'all two up together. Awesome! I love new connections. Thank I'm, you. I'm scared though because it might be a little bit global domination there. <laughs> well, we're gonna go ahead and hook you two up. <laughs> <laughs> let's take over the world. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. So you say you didn't intend to be an author. How did it happen? How do you accidentally write a book? <laughs> I know, and then write 25 of them. <laughs> well, I, I'll start with the, actually, I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. That's I think that's the biggest thing that surprises people. And literally, because I was in corporate America, I am very free-spirited. I like to have fun. And corporate America felt like I was a caged bird. And so I stayed there a year. And in that year, I got very, very ill. So at the age of 30, I ended up really stressed out. I had to have three colonoscopies within 30 days, two within 24 hours. I went from a size 14 to a size zero, and I had shingles. So all mm. at 30. So then I had to figure out, like, what is going on? <laughs> Am I allergic to jobs? I've gone all the way from school, from kindergarten to grad school, and now this happens. So um, I tell people that's how I fell into entrepreneurship, because had it gone a different way, I might not be here. And so the first book I ever wrote was called Cultivating Your It Factor. And it actually was a book anthology where I allowed other women to come and, and be in my book. And that is not what most authors do. They normally write their first solo book, but I'm, I'm different. I'm okay with that. But um, it was literally the book I wish I would have had when I was on that job I hated. So that's how I literally came into being an author and then it just came and came and I, I love helping people to get visible and I believe that books are a great way to do that and last year I said well I'm gonna go ahead and get tw to 20 books in 2020 that's just my <laughs> so that's how it fast forward it and some of these are like my own books some of them I'm an author and other people's anthologies just different different things and now we're at 25 awesome awesome I also know that you are a woman of faith. So how does your faith guide you in your entrepreneurship? Wow. Yes. Yeah. So definitely. Oh, yeah. I, I'm coming with the question. I'm going to bring it. <laughs> my clients primarily. All right. People about to get tired. <laughs> <laughs> my clients primarily are Christian women entrepreneurs. So that's the first thing. But even the fact of being in entrepreneurship is a faith walk. And, and God has allowed me to be doing well at this thing that I didn't want to do or didn't know how to do. And I come from a long line of evangelists and preachers and worshipers and all this stuff. And so my grandmother looked at me when I was small and said, Steve, you're going to be a preacher. And I'm like, what? I even, at that time, I was like, what? And then fast forward to A&T, and I'm still like, what? <laughs> like, not with this life. But then, <laughs> then I came to the day in my life. And it just allows me to have the, to know who I am in all standpoints and to have the faith that I do. So it is, I can't imagine life without my faith. I can't imagine life without being a Christian. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, and I feel how, what you were saying, like not with this life, but sometimes you got to experience things. If you yeah. don't experience things, you don't have anything to build on. So yeah, the whole story with the mad dog and fire alarm and running out the door, that may have been to help somebody else. Yeah. You You're know, right. You got to go through some things. You got to experience some things. That's the only way you get knowledge. 
absolutely absolutely and that's only i mean and it makes you relatable right if i was even now even now as i speak to different people and i always out because everybody has a skewed vision of christianity and i'm just like to me it's about relationship and not religion like i'm not a religious person you ask me a scripture i'm like child i don't know but i know it's that is. <laughs> and that's the thing and it's very much like I'm not that Christian that people have and it allows me to be relatable because I'm not a holy roller. I just know that God has blessed me and I live that life. So I think um, it allows people to be more comfortable and it allows me to indeed use the gift of evangelism that God has blessed me with to bring more people to him. Yeah. And that's how I try to live my life. I'm not going to preach you to death, (laughs) you know, and throw a Bible at you every time I see you. Because I don't think that's how Jesus was. Jesus walked among the common men. And if he was preachy to them, they wouldn't have listened. I'd like to live my life by example. And then if you got questions, then come on in. Absolutely. But I ain't going to chase you down. No. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And that's the thing. And that's why... On social media, where everywhere I go, I try to live my life real out loud, good, bad, ugly, and in different parts of it, and just tell people, like, this is a journey. It's out here for you to see, but this is how I got through these moments. This is how I'm experiencing success as well. And I think a lot of times people think that Christianity is supposed to replace the humanity, and it's not. And, you know, just because I am a Christian, I'm still going to do, I'm a human. I'm still going to yeah. do things. I'm still going to make mistakes. I still want to experience things. You know, I, just because I'm a Christian, right? I can't go out and have fun. <laughs> it all depends on what your fun is though, you know? Yeah. And yes, because I'm a Christian, this is just like certain places I shouldn't be seen in. Yes. But, you know, if I go out and have a dinner, I'm going to have me a drink. Yeah. I'm, I don't think God's going to put me in hell for having one drink. <laughs> you, yep. know, you know, you know, and, and so people get so caught up in, you know, uh, the being in a certain position in the church and not being able to be human, I think is a downfall because you got little kids looking up to you like, I can't be that perfect. And mm-hmm. what they don't know is you can't be that perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nobody can. No, nobody can. Um, and that's the thing. And I think we have to just live our life out loud to us. I mean, everybody's level of that is different. Some people are just private people. I'm just not. <laughs> like, I'm very much open, but I know the call on my life too. And I understand why God has created me to be very much like, this is all my business. If I did it, and I liked it. I probably did it twice. So it's like, that's the thing. It's, it's very much like I'm living my life just to be an open book for people. But understanding what everybody's role as a Christian is, and it's definitely not to be something you're not. I think that's the thing. The purest compliment we could give the God is to be all he has created us to be. Yeah. Yeah. So if God created me to... Then I'm going to. It's a ministry, in it? <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, people are listening <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right, so I want to know about this conference you have coming up because it Yay. sounds powerful and I almost feel a little left out because I'm a man. 
Come on, somebody asked me that question today. I said, you know, men can come too. We as long as the right man who got a not coming up there being lecherous, which I know you're the right man, right type of man, but you can come on in. And so I am open to all people. And um, it is called No More Hidden Figures. It's specifically catered to our Christian women, but we have something to teach our men too, because what I'm learning is that men need help too mm -hmm. in a different way. And if God allows them to come on into a conference, come on, come on, come on. And so No More Hidden Figures is the signature event of my business. We have, this is our third time doing it. And I'm super excited about this time because a portion of the proceeds from the conference are going to support a family of one of my clients who passed away. I just attended her service on Friday and she was the woman who spoke so deeply inside of my own life, even though she was a client of mine. Her name is Pastor Cassandra Elliott and I want to help to support her family. So that's one of the reasons I'm very excited about No More Hidden Figures. So, you know, even if you can't make it, y'all can come on, buy a ticket for somebody else, bless somebody. But it truly is the opportunity to help you get seen and get paid. I believe that the movie Hidden Figures, those women, we may have never heard about them because they were buried inside of the pages of the history books. However, we have the opportunity to be on amazing platforms like this or Clubhouse where we've met or wherever to just get seen and get visible, which leads to money. Two things I trademark last year is visibility plus credibility equals cash because that's what I believe and then no more hidden figures because I'm like tired of people being great people who the world needs to know about but not enough people know about them so it is what we're gonna do I'm gonna give you all my secrets about visibility give you everything that I know including what I learned from North Carolina A&T and my public relations degree so I'm gonna do all that. It's gonna be July 24th. The link is I'm not a hidden figure.com. I'm not a hidden figure.com. And it's gonna be an amazing day. We have a DJ, because you know I love music. Y'all see me dancing all day. We're gonna have speakers. We're gonna have, I'm gonna do a few workshops. It's gonna be amazing. So thank you for that. Thank you for asking that question. So it, it touched a nerve with me when I found out the name because I live in Hampton. And um it was really, it was amazing that um, my daughter got to meet Catherine Johnson. Oh, wow. Before we knew she was Catherine Johnson. Oh, wow. We were um, at a hospital um, in an outpatient, you know, getting lab work done and stuff. And this sweet old lady started talking to my daughter. And she asked her what she wanted to do. And she said, you know, um, my daughter asked her, so what did you do? And she said, I was a scientist. Wow. And it was like a year before the movie came out, right? And we watched the movie. And if you watch all the way through to the end, they show their actual pictures. Mm -hmm. And I was I was blown away. I was like, wow. Jai, you was talking to Katherine Johnson and didn't even know it. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's that just gave me chills because right. that's the thing. And God gave me that vision last year and really the vision of this conference because, you know, I love the movie. My um, pastor's son played Janelle Monet's son in the movie. It's a great okay. movie. We're all excited about that. But it, I said, we're all hidden to a certain extent. Everybody, the billions of people in the world, they don't know about me. So it's my 
point to help people to understand that not enough people know about us. Like literally somebody is praying for us to get visible because we have what they need. And so that is powerful because that truly is, that truly is the thing. Like we are entertaining on a spiritual level. We're entertaining angels unaware every day. Mm -hmm. And on that hidden figures level, it's like, wow. Like this lady literally transformed the whole thing of history. Just like Henrietta Lacks is from Roanoke. Mm -hmm. And like, but we didn't know. These people have transformed and we just people, everyday people that nobody knows, but the people who get visibility are the ones who don't need it. And so how do you feel about that as far as, you know, this whole Instagram society where it seems like, and as a creator struggling to try to, 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 um, spread a message, it seems like the people with the least amount of message to spread are the people who are seen the most. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm trying to be it's, very politically correct with that. Yeah, email. yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true on so many levels. And I always like look at this formula. I tell people all the time, I'm like, God gave me this formula of visibility plus credibility equals cash. And I'm like, the fact that he gave me a math formula, I'm like, I'm not a mathematician at all. So I know with him speaking and visibility, you can have a lot of visibility with no credibility, mm-hmm. like literally. We've seen that. We've seen that in recent years in our own country. We've seen a lot of visibility, but some people get this person had credibility with, some people not, and very strong. And I think the thing is, is that we who need to be visible but don't know how to get visible have to practice visibility. Mm-hmm. Because the thing about when people make money in business is not necessarily they're the best person. They have marketing. They know how to market. The best marketer wins. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about your uh, conference. Thank you. Come on. You're welcome. Come on. <laughs> we might have to come on in. <laughs> <laughs> so I always end off my episodes like this. If a young pre-Dr. Stevie came to you and asked you for life advice, what would oh. you tell her? Rock your it factor. And to me, that literally means live out your God-given gifts. You know, Hollywood created the term it factor. That's not a term that people don't know. But when God showed it to me, it's literally all that's inside of you, your good, bad, ugly, and different parts of you. Bring that to the table and let people know. Let be real and authentic with folks. And that's really my secret or of success or strategy of success is that when I learn to be all this and be okay with who I am, then, and not try to downplay my extraness, not to downplay, because I used to try to do that. Um, one thing we didn't talk about, my, my dad is a musician, hence the name Stevie, <laughs> but he was, he's in the funk era, era and there was a group called, um, Betty Davis had a group called Funk House, and he was in that group. Betty Davis was Miles Davis's ex-wife, and she, it's a big funk story, but um, like I literally used to think people just wanted to be connected to me because of my dad. Mm-hmm. 
So I had to grow up in my own identity for one. And then I had to be like, I don't have to be this perfect person for two. So like, that was the thing for me. And then on top of that, I always joke and tell my cousin, I didn't get to step into my identity at A&T until he left because he was so popular. And I knew him, it was like, they, you're his cousin. So <laughs> that's the thing. But really, honestly, just be yourself and, and don't listen to the voices in your head to tell you that you're too much or you're extra. That's literally what's worked for me. me. Me being this extra has allowed me to do all the things I've done in business and truly be like the life I live. That's, that's literally the thing. And I think that once we all get that and understand that a lot of businesses and corporations pay people to figure out the differenti differentiation strategy inside of their business and we have it God has already placed us to be different and peculiar people then we win <laughs> yeah. Yeah. alright so how can everybody get in touch with Dr. Stevie Mills uh, what's your social media your websites how can they order the books go awesome thank you so if you want to get in touch with me definitely the best thing is to go get my free book it is uh, cultivating your it factor I'm, I'm giving away that book for free um the ebook version simply because it's a great book it literally is what started the whole journey it literally is the book when lala anthony was number one at the time we came out we pushed her to number two so this book is dope but if you go to cultivatingyouritfactor.com, cultivatingyouritfactor.com, you will be able to not only get the book, but you'll be placed on my VIP list and be able to connect with me. So that's what that is. Thank you so much. I appreciate this interview. So fun. Hey, we're going to have to do it again. Yes, absolutely. You know, you know, uh, HBC, um, um, we got to stick together. Yes, we one, do. We got one, work to do. One more time for the people. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the 757 Renaissance Man podcast. You can reach us at 757renaissanceman.com. I'm Sean. That's Dr. Stevie. And we are out.